This podcast contains adult content, including cannabis. You're listening to Bellas Who Blaze. Everyday discussions elevating cannabis lifestyles from a female perspective. Merry Christmas, Bellas and Fellas. Welcome to the holiday special episode of the Bellas Who Blaze podcast. Welcome into the Bellas Who Blaze lounge. This episode, we're theming it all around the holidays, coming out the cannabis closet, and then we wanted to kind of wrap up with what's coming up ahead, what we've got cooking in the kitchen. And I want to welcome my amazing, incredible sister, she is going to co-host this episode with me. Welcome, Blaze Sis. Nice to have you back in the Balazoo Blaze Lounge. We've missed you. Yay, thanks so much. So happy to be back for another episode. I want to thank all of our listeners so far. We've been having really great feedback. All the nice comments and DMs you guys sent us have been so encouraging. We wanted to theme this episode a little bit around coming out of the cannabis closet. The holidays can bring up all sorts of conversations. It's a great opportunity to also start to have these conversations if that's where you're at in your cannabis journey to open up to maybe someone that you are close with if they don't know. Because the reality is that we do live in a prohibition country and also part of the reality was that 50% of people still voted no and so there is still a huge amount of miseducation out there. And I think if every one of us who kind of believes that we should have legal access to safe, affordable, quality cannabis products, it would begin to shift conversations in smaller circles. It's a great opportunity to have those conversations in a safe space if you feel ready to do that, we're absolutely not telling you like this is your mission from us that <laughs> you have to achieve. Don't, don't go opening your front door and be like, I smoke weed. <laughs> we're not telling you to do that. Yeah, definitely don't do that. <laughs> if you want to, all for it, but you know, don't just be sparking up in your office yeah. or anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's more just sharing our experience of coming out, why we did it, how it's been and how we kind of did it. Speaking of coming out the cannabis closet, why did you, sis, decide to come out of this cannabis closet in general for across the board your whole life and also not worry about putting your face out there in a prohibition country? I guess I still am worried, but I feel like it is something that I don't hide as much anymore. I used to be afraid of not only the judgment from the fact that I consume an illicit substance, but also the stigma around me being a young Asian woman working in a professional industry and that I would never look like your typical cannabis consumer, if you want to put it that way, which doesn't even exist. So I guess especially in my late high school and uni years, where a lot of my friends were starting to experiment with drinking and going out clubbing, I was kind of missing out on that whole experience because I couldn't consume alcohol. I just biologically I couldn't digest it and so it was just something I couldn't take part in and I was consuming cannabis at the time and so I still remember literally hyping myself up before my friends were about to come over to be like okay I'm going to sit them down this is exactly how I'm going to tell them I've like written this exactly in my journal but leading up to it I was so nervous about it because it's so hard to literally come out and say the words like hey guys, I actually like smoking weed. <laughs> and you know, like, 
there's just no place or context for that conversation to even take place. Because you don't have to do that drinking. Like, no, you don't, exactly. You don't have to announce that this is your preferred choice of relaxing or yeah. to manage a certain aspect of your health. I know, and, exactly. You know, you don't have to seek approval from society because... Yeah. It's, it's almost, completely embedded in society. It's almost belittling in a way that I had to sit somebody down <laughs> and be like, actually, this is who I really am. <laughs> like when you, if you're sitting in like one of those confession booths in a church, yeah. like what do you call those? I've completely forgotten. All I know is forgive me, Lord, for I <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was afraid that I would lose friends or I would lose the dynamic of the friendships that I had and that would change. Mm-hmm. But... It didn't. And every time I came out to my friends who I knew I trusted and I knew that they were open-minded enough to accept me each time that I did tell somebody or felt like I wanted to open up to somebody about it, it was always welcomed. And so I was really lucky in that sense. Did you lose any friends in the process? I don't think I lost any friends in the process. The fact that I did come out helped me be more comfortable to be myself and that helped me develop a closer friendship to my friends at the time whereas if I didn't tell them and hid that side of me I would have felt restricted in my own personality and that I wouldn't be able to completely be relaxed to be myself and that I think they would also notice why is she acting weird why is she like holding back for some weird reason like we don't know and so I think with anything, it's best just to be as authentic to yourself as possible. In that sense, that really helped me at the time with my friends, especially that period of my life where everyone's really experimenting in alcohol and going out and, you know, that kind of phase of college, uni life. Mm. At that time, I felt like it was something I really had to tell people to let them know this is a part of me and this is what I like to consume because I wasn't an alcohol consumer. Did and it stop you from socializing? It, it didn't stop me from socializing. I guess because once I did come out to some friends, some friends were keen to try it with me. And so in a way I was able to create friends that were open to trying it and enjoying it with me. But even now, if I still make new friends, I'm always assessing in my head, is this person going to accept me if I tell them this side of my life? How will they react if I tell them? I'm always calculating in my head with each new person that comes into my life. If I will tell them, if I will ever tell them, and if I do, how I will tell them. Because it is a big part of me, but it's also, in this country, it's a prohibited substance, and so... Prohibited plant. Prohibited plant. So I guess I have to be cautious to not be grouped in the negative stereotype that is being built around this plant. And to know that if I'm telling this person they know who I am, they know my values, and that even if I tell them that I consume this, that they don't associate any of the negative qualities about that towards me. Mm. Mm-hmm. When you came out to your friends, how was that different to coming out in a work environment? And why did you decide to do it in a work environment also? I guess coming out to my friends was completely different to a work environment. One, mostly because I had matured in age and emotionally, but also my specific working environment. I work as a camera technician in the film industry, so the people who work in film, I've noticed, do tend to be quite open-minded in terms of substances, and a lot of people are willing to try new things. 
and it's quite openly talked about as well. So and it's cool. And so a lot of people that I work with, I you, know, you won't be the only one with a join at a party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Def- those bathrooms are a wild time at those parties. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, since a lot of people that I work with consume it, I've never felt the need to hide my consumption, nor do I need to go around blabbing on about it. But if a joint is shared, I'll participate. And sure, a lot of people still get surprised because my personality or my appearance doesn't go with their image of who they think would consume weed. But still, it's never a negative reaction. Like, everyone is always really welcoming and happy to include another friend who likes the green. (laughs) And so, yeah. Yeah, it's never been a negative reaction. Luckily for me, everyone's always been quite accepting and quite welcoming. Coming out to my work colleagues, I haven't necessarily had to come out. It's just, it's always been a openly known substance that's been used among the industry that I work in and so I don't feel as anxious to tell people the side of my life as I was compared to my university days. Yeah it's great that you work in an industry that is a lot less rigid around those sorts of things and it's pretty open conversation with something like cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, So aside Mm. from coming out to your friends which you did it really highly planned you had an agenda of what you were gonna say talking points yeah I literally wrote it out yeah yeah like basically wrote a speech about it (laughs) cue cards yeah versus then getting a bit older and then coming into an industry that was actually quite widely accepting and there were a lot of people that partake in something like that Mm -hmm. versus then feeling comfortable enough to openly talk about it on the podcast I guess, why did you feel comfortable talking more openly about it on the record, basically? Because this is recorded, it lives on the internet, it could be referenced to at any point in time, so long as it lives on the internet. Mm -hmm. I guess one of the main driving factors was the referendum last year, and how it didn't pass, and then this need in me to want to do something to make sure that if it ever comes back again, that it will go through. (laughs) That was a big driving factor. Mm-hmm. Another, I guess, was, like I mentioned in the previous episodes, I felt very lonely in my consumption of cannabis. Even with my own personal use thus far, it's always been around men, or men have always been the one providing it, enjoying it with me. It's always me and a group, <laughs> me within a group of guys. It's always just dudes. I know, and I'm like sick of it. I'm like, where are all the girls that want to smoke weed with me? <laughs> and so I just felt like I wanted to create a space where more girls like me can come out confidently and we can enjoy our time together instead of it being a sausage party every time. <laughs> Not that it's a bad thing. And thank you for coming through with the joints yeah. every time. <laughs> but, yeah, fully. But that was the thing, like, apart from you, I didn't know any other woman who enjoyed cannabis and that I couldn't share this experience with. And so, yeah, I wanted to create a community. I love it. I think I align with you on all of those reasons. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I guess coming out of the closet happened in stages and then it kind of got accelerated at the end, which I'll get to. (laughs) And then I'd also had a taste of being in a community or in a city where cannabis wasn't as restricted and that's not just, and those were more European countries like Spain, they have their coffee shops, the Netherlands also, 
and experiencing that kind of culture, I was like, I need more of this. Mm -hmm. This is where I feel completely comfortable being myself. And then arriving in Vancouver, it was like, even though it wasn't legal then when I landed, it was so much more widely accepted. And I think that really came through in Danny's episode because when we talked about what it's like in New Zealand, to her, that's a distant memory. That's exactly what it what it's like. You land there and it's so normal. It's just so normal. It's so accepted. And so for me, arriving in Canada to me was like the moment that I came out. From here on in, I don't really give a fuck. Rainbow flag up and proud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it was all out. There were less risks for me there no one knew who I was I didn't have a background there I didn't have associations to certain communities or anything like that it was like a blank slate I could be exactly who I wanted to be but all of those things led to me being a lot more open about it participating in the cannabis community that was thriving at the time there because I was so open to talk about it I wasn't really scared about it Mostly because people were doing more than I was openly, you know. People were running grey market dispensaries, smoking outside the dispensary. <laughs> so much of that kind of stuff that it was just totally normal. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it and I still really, really miss that feeling. I really miss that feeling of just knowing that I don't have to worry about it. Mm. For me, coming back and then feeling that shackles put back on willingly <laughs> coming back into that environment like sometimes I get so anxious about how someone might react to something I did that was cannabis related or those sorts of things that I, like I still get really bad anxiety in certain situations about it mm -hmm. and that's something that I don't really have to face when I'm in a legal country mm. knowing all those things and also feeling really helpless about the referendum not passing coming to the realization of there's not enough conversation happening that makes people feel more comfortable about talking about it or even being around people that consume it. Those sorts of things really made me want to speak up about it. I guess I got to a point where I'd lived this life of being free to express my love of this plant, incorporate it into my daily life, not be shy about it, not worry about it, not in one bit feel anxious about it. It was also just a problem of like, I couldn't switch my mindset anymore. My mm. mindset had already switched to being in this legal environment that I've come back and I'm almost desensitized to the fact that it's illegal. Mm. Like I understand it, but there's almost just some kind of brain fart that happens of like, but I don't get it. Like, <laughs> why is it? But it don't apply to me. <laughs> I'm not doing things that could get me in serious trouble mm. should I ever get in serious trouble. In serious trouble, yeah. <laughs> should serious trouble make its way here? Yeah. I just make sure that I'm not in the serious trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Your coming out of the cannabis closet journey was divided up pre-moving to Canada and post-moving to Canada. And you've pretty much really elaborated on post-moving to Canada, but what was more of your experience pre-moving to Canada? Were you ever placed in a circumstance where you had to come out to your friends or colleagues? Colleagues I never came out to. 
colleagues was one place that I absolutely didn't feel safe at all, especially in New Zealand, working in a very stale male, pale corporate environment. But yeah, I mean, as a person of color, the experience of working in a corporate environment is very different. Mm-hmm. And I never really felt safe to open up. And I understood that because of the commentary that surrounded the subject in general. If someone mentioned like, oh, well, this person was smoking a joint and some people would be like, oh, <laughs> that is so scandalous. And what did you say, Martha? Yeah. <laughs> did you say the J word? <laughs> yeah, like it was like that. And I was like, it's just a plant. Like I couldn't understand My lack of understanding of why it was such a big deal hadn't changed from pre to post. Mm. But my understanding of this could really hold me back here, if people knew, was very clear. And I've definitely lost friends too, especially in my high school years. Like, my friends switched up a lot. Really? Yeah, even between terms. (laughs) Was that because you actually physically had to tell them, or did they just find out without you having to tell them? they would find out without me having to say anything because we would all be at the same party and I would be sneaking away. I would have snuck away somewhere, come back and not look the same (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) or like stink of weed or whatever. Mm -hmm. Granted, like those times, some of the time I had girlfriends that partook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there were groups that I was friends with, but they were like a lot more conservative a lot more... That was your main group of friends. Yes. And then it would switch into, okay, well then I need to stick with like the more wild people because they accept what I do or like what I enjoy. Mm. That's what I was really happy about with when I came out to my uni friends and that was the first time I was actually able to purely experience going out and enjoying a night out, having the edge taken off with a little bit of cannabis in my system And yeah, just having a good time with my friends. And so I guess timing in your life and the people you come out to are very important factors. Definitely. So I guess you losing your friends at that time of your life, it wasn't such a massive impact to you because it naturally flowed with the other phases and changes within your life of finishing high school, going towards uni, towards the new group of friends. Would you say that in a way it It was a bit of a positive change. Yeah. And I think even then, like those positive changes in relationships happened more than once in different stages of my life. It went from the high school group to a slightly different group. And then from that group to a different environment and then a different country. (laughs) Like it all... It consistently evolved and and grew and Mm. it changed as I changed and will Mm -hmm. change Mm -hmm. as well. And some people are consistent. They're they're through all the changes, you Mm -hmm. know, and I still enjoy consuming with them and we have a great time. Mm. And then some people are just there for a a place and a time. Mm. And I have a good friend that will say, and she's someone that I consume with a lot, and have done since high school. Mm. Um, she's always been, like, the buddy. <laughs> um, is this the weed brownie buddy? <laughs> <laughs> this is the weed brownie buddy. <laughs> you know, she has this really great saying of people are 
in your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. What it, whichever one they are, you just enjoy that reason. Maybe it's a lesson. Maybe it's something that they're learning a lesson from you or you're learning from them or vice versa. And I think those were a time where there were many seasons mm-hmm. or a lifetime. And those ones will just always be there. Yeah. I don't think you force anything. Um, they just are. Yeah, it's all about assessing the situation, how long you've known the person and how deeply they're involved in your life and your time, how open-minded they are about other taboo topics, and then just being as authentic to yourself as possible about whether you choose to actually tell them, obviously using common sense and careful judgment with who you tell and how you tell them. I guess from our experience, we can say that by coming out to the people closest to us, it has most of the time generated positive results in our life. And for me personally, it's also helped me accept it as something that is a part of my lifestyle. Definitely. And I think just to quickly go back to that work point of the corporate environment in New Zealand, after coming back from Canada, I talked openly about my experience there. Because when I was leaving, some people asked me like, why Canada? Mm. And I knew exactly why. Like I'd planned it all out of why. You know, some people were confused and some people I didn't tell. And I chose to not come out to those people because I was like, this is, it's not the time Mm -hmm. and they're not the people. Careful judgment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Versus coming back, I was more open to talk about my experience because the responses from different communities that I started to be part of once I came back different advocacy groups and those sorts of things when they would hear about my experience but also what I currently do they were always so intrigued and wanted to know more and thought it was a really positive thing and so that made me more comfortable Mm. to talk about it and go actually there are open people here Mm. and it is fine to talk about it Mm -hmm. in a way accepting it within yourself kind of open doors for people around you here that kind of have the same mindset Exactly. And being a bit more open about it actually connected me to a lot more like-minded people with the same interests versus if I weren't talking about it. Mm. And so it's not to say that I'm still not a little bit scared. (laughs) Yeah, it's always there. The fear is always there. There's always an underlying fear, especially, I guess, having your face out there. Other people will know what you look like, but you don't know what anyone else within within the industry or the community or that kind of thing look like if they're not public facing. Mm -hmm. So we are very vulnerable in that sense. Yeah, totally vulnerable. But at the same time, I guess that's what I was ready to share was my vulnerable side of the journey Mm -hmm. because I got to a point where I finally understood it enough to be able to share what I want Mm -hmm. and what I think is really important for people to know. So now that you're living here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, where cannabis is completely illegal, and say you make a really nice new friend that you really get along with, or a new partner, potential new partner that you really get along with, and the context of cannabis or a situation where cannabis come up has never really risen, and you want to open that side of yourself to them... Are you the type of person to just tell them straight up, like, this is who I am, this is what I like, or will you be somebody to kind of wait a while, take your time, assess the situation, or, you know, age loud and proud? 
I think loud and proud. From the very beginning? From the beginning, because naturally when you meet someone new, regardless of if it's a potential romantic interest or friendship or that kind of thing, I guess I work in that industry and I work with certain types of people. It's always just like, well, I work in cannabis and I believe these things. I also like to partake. <laughs> so yeah. it all kind of comes in one little package. Yeah. Yep. And so then immediately if someone's like, oh, 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 okay, and they're not receptive to that, then I know that that's not the person that I'm going to vibe with. Mm. And then if they're curious and they're like, tell me more, I've never tried it, like all of those things, which has happened to friends that I haven't necessarily been very close with but have had contact with for a while. Mm. And they find out that I'm doing these things around cannabis or even tell them about the podcast and they go, oh my gosh, well, I've always wanted to try it, but I don't really know where to start. Like, next time you come around, let's, can you show me, can you teach me how to roll a joint or like <laughs> all of those sorts of things. And so, yeah, I think if people, even if they haven't done it before, but are more open-minded, that'll work. And anywhere from open-minded to accepting mm -hmm. scale is good. Anyone who's a bit more closed-minded and not willing to, explore their own resistance towards it mm -hmm. and why then I'm like well it's not really worth my time so you have no fears coming out to new people now even though you're living in a prohibited country correct I think if I were then I wouldn't be able to do this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we would be sitting in an Bella's and Blaze lounge hi I'm Kaya and I smoke weed yeah <laughs> That's actually I love it yeah. I would marry it if I could <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Maybe that's how I need to start introducing myself. Yeah. Just because I'm not like you, I don't work in it, and so I physically have to bring up the conversation myself, mm. which can make that whole process a lot more daunting to be like, hey, I have to tell you. <laughs> There's something about me that you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I need you to sit down. <laughs> we need to have a talk. <laughs> the other person's like, well, this is really early on. Yeah. <laughs> What yeah. about you? Does it like concern you dating or new friends? How you bring it up? I guess there's that hesitation around, oh, if I tell this person, is this going to change the dynamic we have or the friendship that we have? There's always that concern. Mm -hmm. But I guess with anybody that I do get close to, I do open up to them about it because it's something I literally cannot hide. <laughs> like I'm a daily consumer. Mm. Like there's no way around it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and You're so, not gonna sneak off somewhere every single day. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like where does she keep going at that time of night for like an hour? Yeah. Yeah, just a long ass walk. Yeah. But still I hold that I'm not like you where I'm loud and proud. I still hold that fear of judgment and that stigma. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely important to consider those risk factors, your comfortability and also the trust in the relationships. And I guess one other thing that I've armed myself with, especially because I am a bit more louder and prouder, is that I have sound bites of knowledge that I can just pull out if someone counters something towards me of like, well, you just want to be high all the time. Or, like smoking weed makes you dumb. Yeah, like for people that are gonna be against what I do. Like challenge your consumption. Yeah, exactly. I make sure I'm armed with facts mm -hmm. about it or at least I'm knowledgeable. And this even applies to 
certain family members that are against it. In terms of conversation starters, you can always throw a few questions of what's happening around the world and talking about what's happening in a global space with cannabis and floating little tidbits of conversation like, isn't it incredible to see there are 16 legal states in the US that have adult use cannabis. Canada has federally legalized it and there are a bunch of other countries that have some form of more relaxed cannabis laws, I guess. Um, what do you think about that and seeing what their response is? Or... or you could start it off on a more personal touch, like asking them when they were growing up, did you did they ever imagine that you could buy cannabis in a store or did they ever try it as teenagers or as college students? It's a great conversation starter, even just to get to know what they were like when they were younger. Yeah, or just even getting used to talking about that topic in general, rather than it being a real taboo thing that everyone's too scared to bring up. I agree, and I think the uh, answers may surprise you. And you can take that approach to anyone too, not just your parents, but uh, uncles, aunties, even your brothers and sisters. Um, I mean, if anything, doing this recording that we found is that we learned so much about each other's relationship to cannabis, I guess, and and our history with it. So especially when coming out to people in your family that aren't as open to cannabis, it's important to not just say you smoke it because you like it. You have to have good reasonings and good... Fact-based points. Yeah. It's good to not be too emotional about it as well. I think when you can just stick to the fact... Um, and they're coming back with emotion, if you continue to just stick with fact, you you can't really um, argue with it versus if it's a, like, I don't like it, but I like it back and forth, that also doesn't go anywhere. And I think that's what's helped us in our conversations with people that we come across as well, is that if we have tangible facts or recent research that stuff in real time, it might be able to highlight where they might have more older views that were maybe true at the time, given the information that was available. But we have so much more information now. We have access to so much more at the tip of our hands. And yeah, when you can stay a bit more fact-based versus emotion-based, that'll always help. And if you feel like the conversation is not going anywhere or it's actually going to ruin the air or um, the vibe of a situation, you don't need to push it either. You can just divert the conversation and be like, well, isn't it interesting that that's happening? I just thought like that was intriguing and then move on and just change the subject. It's not you don't have to continue it to try and change their mind at that exact time. Yeah, you've planted a seed and they know that you are interested in this plant and maybe that in itself will start changing their perspective on it because of their relationship towards you. If they know that you can hold down a job, a social life, and you still like to consume this plant and it doesn't affect you negatively in any way, then they'll be like, maybe it's not as bad of a thing as I originally thought. Yeah, and sometimes it's not even coming in with fact. It's like coming in from a place where they have a relevant reference or interest. So if they're really into sports, 
you can tap in and, and find athletes that they know that maybe they didn't realize have some kind of tie to cannabis. And for example, in New Zealand, we're a rugby nation. Um, and so you could relate it back to a former All Blacks rugby player, uh, for example, Ben Franks. He actually owns a CBD company and in the UK. Obviously, being in rugby, it's a very highly physical sport. And there are a lot of issues that health issues that come out of putting your body through that for so many years. And uh, just within sports in general, there's a really big issue or topic around the opioid use in sports, particularly through painkillers. And that's something that he really wants to address. And he also views CBD's treatment in New Zealand as quite over the top. And so what he's done about that is actually start a business in the UK. But unfortunately for a Kiwi, he can't do that in New Zealand. But that might start to be like, oh, well, I know Ben Franks. I used to watch him play. And okay, so he's into CBD. And I think uh, even just CBD as an entry point to discuss is always a good place. Uh, relevant examples that just happened this year, uh, Shikari Richardson, who basically ran one of the fastest times on track for the Olympic qualifiers, she was disqualified because she had cannabis in her system. And I think even just raising the point that prohibition messaging tells us that cannabis makes us lazy, it makes us unproductive, and basically low lives in society and then we're getting this mixed messaging of oh but you can't have it like athletes can't have it because it could be performance enhancing it's like really hypocritical to to have those two parallels together in the same in the same time because cannabis has had to pick up both negative stereotypes of either side yeah exactly it's like the scapegoat of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And not to mention one of the most decorated Olympians with 28 medals, Michael Phelps. He is a known cannabis consumer. Um, Elon Musk famously hit a blunt. Granted, he bum puffed it, but you know what? That's just a minor detail. And no, I think, no judgment there, yeah, Elon. Yeah, <laughs> no judgment there, Elon. Um, we just, it was just awesome for the culture that you hit it yeah. uh, in public and Um, Even someone like him gets bashed for doing that. So it just shows he doesn't think it's that big of a deal. He's a hugely successful entrepreneur. He freaking builds rockets and shit. If you look at the NBA, there are so many athletes amongst the NBA, um, NFL, that also partake in some aspect. Um, But Kevin Durant, really well-known NBA player, he's partnered with Weed Maps to destigmatize cannabis. Uh, Mike Tyson is famously coming out um, and really being an advocate for destigmatizing cannabis and uh, psychedelics in general, too. I mean, he's gone into conferences to talk about his experiences um, with different plant medicines and not to like alienate people that are new to or just exploring psychedelics, but it's all happening. Mm -hmm. And Um, maybe they're not into sports, but they're into pop culture. And if you're into pop culture, who doesn't know Beyonce? Hell yeah. So Beyonce came out publicly to talk about how CBD has really changed her, changed how her body recovers through the training that she does. She, um, really reaped the benefits for her body with hemp that she wants to create hemp honey. And she's, you know, purchased a huge plot of land to grow hemp and as much as I would love to see someone like Beyonce talk about just cannabis in general on a whole um I think it's it's such a great first step 
towards having those conversations. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, everyone knows Justin Bieber. I get my weed from California. He's That's that shit. <laughs> yeah, he started his own cannabis venture as well. And he's... Um, Peaches he is... pre-rolls. Peaches pre-rolls, yep. <laughs> he's also somebody that... The negative stereotypes that cannabis has been associated with, but now he also acknowledges the ways in which that it can benefit his life and his health. And so I feel like that's very um, in line with the changing attitudes kind of globally with everybody in terms of cannabis and pop culture. Yeah, and if they're a bit older and they're not the generation to know Justin Bieber and the only Justin they know is Timberlake or... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know any other Justins, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but say they're a bit older and they're from like the Beatles era or um, if pop culture is the way in or music is the way in, then it's probably quite hard to find a musician that hasn't dabbled in cannabis in the process of creating their art. Mm. And it's like, well, you enjoy their music and some of that inspiration, some of that creativity has been because... They were consuming this plant Mm. Um, and just showing that it's not as far removed from them as they maybe think it is or have been taught or conditioned to believe it is. Yeah. And there are always going to be those family members or friends or people around you that will always harp on about the impacts of legalizing cannabis to society or to a community like increasing youth use and access or um, they don't want to see the increase in road accidents or they're afraid of what it would do to the mental health, you know, in terms of cannabis-induced psychosis or schizophrenia or those sorts of things happening if you legalize cannabis or just an increase in consumption in general. It's good to kind of look back and go, yep, uh, maybe have a look at alcohol prohibition and, you know, when alcohol was prohibited... Did absolutely no one consume alcohol? No. People ended up in their basements uh, mixing concoctions in a bathtub, (laughs) coming up with shit like moonshine, and getting really fucked up. Mm. Uh, There were underground speakeasies, and, you know, like, that consumption doesn't go away. It just goes underground. People don't change. (laughs) People do not change, especially (laughs) when it comes to the shit they like. Yeah. (laughs) Shit that makes them feel good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when alcohol came out of prohibition, did alcohol consumption go down? No. Alcohol consumption increased, and now it's, like, completely embedded into many societies. Mm-hmm. Not to say that that doesn't come with pros and cons, but at least you have a transparent view of what alcohol is doing to society. So when you can see, okay, who's consuming it? How much is are they consuming? Okay, what are the health effects of that? That's a lot more useful i think to society to be able to learn from what it's the impact is mm-hmm. and so with the in, with cannabis prohibition coming about yes consumption is going to increase but that's only because we haven't actually been able to track usage up until the point of legalization it hasn't been transparent so you know even if they did surveys on however many people to track what consumption is how many people are going to lie about it yeah because they don't want to admit it Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's not an accurate reflection, but also the increase is just a given, really. I don't think that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just like starting to set uh, data points for 
us going forward into the future, Mm. uh, which I think is a really good thing. And I think what's been the most interesting uh, point that is really helpful to bring up in certain conversations where you want to stay fact-based with someone who has those uh, fears around cannabis consumption and say youth use or youth crime increasing. We acknowledge that legal cannabis federally in Canada hasn't been around for long. We just celebrated three years of legalization. But from the data that's available from the past three years, a University of British Columbia medical program professor, Dr. Russell Callahan, found that uh, since legalization, the associated police reports on youth cannabis-related crimes have actually decreased, which is a really good thing. And I think that's so important because in New Zealand, there are there is a disproportionate effect prohibition has on a certain group of people. It's important to know that when a legal framework can come in, then there are avenues that can support youth better. Um, it allows education to happen, and education is the biggest gap that even a legalized country has issues with. Education is a huge barrier to informed use and understanding of cannabis. And not to mention, from the research that this UBC professor did, I think the most interesting thing that came out of it was that the, the increased potential for mental health issues like cannabis-induced psychosis or schizophrenia or driving under the influence actually haven't materialized. And I think that driving under the influence one is a really interesting one because um, a journal paper came out in Canada that looked at a couple provinces and the data points for road accidents from 2015 to 2019 and compared it to post-legalization and actually found little to no discrepancy. So it hasn't actually increased road accidents um, due to cannabis legalization. So I think a lot of those fears not having materialized is a really good thing to to be able to at least let people know, especially those who have those kind of viewpoints or maybe that those um, beliefs were what caused them to vote no mm. because they were scared. Mm-hmm. You know, to the point of it'll it's going to increase cannabis-induced psychosis in people. Well, actually... If you're predisposed to psychosis, I think it's safer for people to know that this is a potential side effect and there's like an actual avenue for you to be able to seek further information about about it because like regardless, those things are going to exist. Mm. Those issues are going to exist as whether we're going to be open and transparent and talk about it on the table, laying everything out so we can see everything clearly or whether we're going to hide and do it under the table and try and figure shit out that way uh, without everyone having the full picture. Mm-hmm. Like you can't change the world, but you can change one person at a time. Yeah, or like straight up, you can't change people. Yeah. You can't change people sometimes. You can't change a person's genetics. Mm-hmm. If they're predisposed to something, they're predisposed to it. Yeah. that If you're predisposed to historic family health issue of diabetes you know that and then you you make informed decisions about your diet or your lifestyle because you know Mm -hmm. 
you're not going to go and then smash 10 chocolate bars in one sitting. <laughs> no. Right? Because someone says it's good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or they're not going to say ban all chocolate because um, people with predisposed diabetes um, have a higher chance of getting it. So mm. we're making chocolate illegal now. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a sad day. <laughs> yeah. But that's just kind of where where we're at. Yeah. And so hopefully some of these insights will help you uh, potentially strike up a conversation or maybe even counter a conversation that comes up naturally and just be able to come in with some facts or to have some talking points Mm -hmm. for you. So yeah, I guess globally attitudes are changing and Canada being the only country to have recreational adult use as well as medicinal use completely legalized there are still other countries and states that are relaxing regulations and are not as not as strict but also have relaxed their attitude towards cannabis whether that is legalizing just medicinally uh or cbd only decriminalized yeah um, legal for personal um for personal possession up to a certain amount. Yeah, up to a certain amount of plants or up to a certain amount of grams. Yeah, and if you visited any of those countries, then your likelihood of bumping into cannabis is higher than, say, going somewhere where you would be sent to jail for 25 years. Yeah. And maybe don't take the risk of consuming cannabis in different countries because that is a risk you take yourself. Um, Best to know the laws of the place you're going to if you're going to California, you can consume adult use. It's legal within certain states. 16 states have um, adult use cannabis in the U.S. Um, 35 states have it legal for medical use. Germany is looking to legalize in the very near future, hopefully. But if you went to places like Jamaica, they obviously have a lot more relaxed laws. It's part of a um, religious a ritual there for Rastafarians. Obviously, the Netherlands and their coffee shops, even though the laws around that are starting to change, places like Spain, Czech Republic, Colombia, Costa Rica, all those places have some form of decriminalization where you can possess cannabis or maybe grow a few plants, but not to say that you can just go there and be a cannabis tourist. Mm. That's not the case. Yes, it's very good to be educated on what you're consuming and where. Yeah, and what the, legality, what the legalities are of that country. Mm-hmm. We're hoping that that's not forever mm-hmm. and that um, change will slowly but surely happen. And it's also not to say that the legal framework is perfect. It absolutely is not. There are so many downsides and issues with a legal industry, but it's a step closer for it to be treated in a more acceptable way in society and to start to shift those perspectives and normalize its consumption. Yeah, destigmatize. So I guess speaking from our own personal experiences, coming out of the cannabis closet to the people that we're closest to and that we trust has generally created positive responses in our life. And it's always helped us to have those real-time facts, to just know that in the back of our minds, if we need to use it maybe just to diffuse a situation or use it to divert from something or to just inform someone that their 
um, perspective might not be as relevant anymore in this day and age. There are lots of countries doing a lot of research. Germany, Israel is one of the leading countries when it comes to cannabis research. Australia does a lot as well. Um, the information is always changing. It's always developing. Um, and we're learning so much in such a short amount of time. And so what we're talking about now, we might look back in six months, a year and be like, well, that's out of date now, but it's always changing and developing. And we only hope to try and keep you as up to date on what we learn and what we know and what's happening. We thank you for joining us for another holiday episode. We also just wanted to wrap up by talking about uh, what's coming up for us. Sis, you want to share? So, yes, we are working on a short form audio series. The title is still a work in progress. It's going to be based around educational cannabis topics, tips, our own personal experiences. So we're going to drill down into a specific topic of interest or subject um, related to cannabis. So if there is something that you would like to hear about or for us to explore in that short form series, drop us a message at Bella Zoo Blaze. Drop us a DM. Um, you can message either of us as well. You can find me at Kaya.Blooms. You can find me at Blazed Sis. And we're really looking forward to kind of welcoming a new year. And yeah, I just feel like we've just started this journey together with everyone. And we're really excited for where this, where this can go and will go and how we will continue to um, grow together and learn about this incredible plant. And we really want to wish everyone a safe happy holiday season whether you thrived or survived and just took it day by day um well done we're so happy you're here and we can't wait to welcome another year hopefully a fruitful one and to continue this journey together and continuing to grow the bellas and fellas community yay uh, thank you so much. Um, we will keep you posted. Make sure you follow us at Bella Zoo Blaze to stay up to date on uh, how we go with this mini series. <laughs> and we can't wait to see you again in the Bella Zoo Blaze Lounge soon. See you all soon. Matane and Matewa. Thanks for listening to Bella Zoo Blaze.